Welcome to our next episode of Fandom Family Chats. This is a production of Family Fan Clubs on Facebook. You can find us all over Facebook. You can find us all over social media under Fandom Family Chats. Look us up, get dialed in, get plugged in, and get ready to listen to some crazy people talk crazy stuff. Hey guys, I'm Maureen. I'm Jeanette. I'm Tiffany. And we are here with Bridgerton Talk Finally, I know this came out in March and you guys are getting in a little later than that, but we wanted to make sure that we had all the goods for you. So we're talking episodes one and two tonight only, just one and two. And there's, so you'll get four episodes of Bridgerton. But today we are talking the opening scene and first and second episode. I forgot actually how much I like the, the music, the theme song. Mm-hmm. And I noticed they only played in the first episode. I know. They don't play it in the rest because like I accidentally hit skip intro and I was like, Oh, wait, I want to hear the song again. And so I would let the other ones play through and it mm-hmm. didn't play through again. So I had to go back and watch the first episode just for that song. But anyway, uh, the first episode starts at the beginning of the season. And our fan favorite from last season, Eloise, is finally being introduced firmly against her will. That opening scene with Eloise. I mean, it was just so funny. Everybody's standing outside the door, waiting on her. And then finally, when they open the door, I mean, all the maids are like rushing out of there. So you they know, all look like they're they, about to cry. They've been through right. it. And she comes out with that big old like feather on her head, which I think looks so ridiculous. But I remember Daphne wore that too. I don't know. It was just so funny. And I mean, but she's totally opposite of Daphne. Daphne looks so mm-hmm. elegant and proud in it. And Eloise just looks annoyed and just and like, awkward. I don't want to do this <laughs> at all. Didn't she but say, if any of you say a single word, and <laughs> she storms past them. <laughs> yeah. The other thing I noticed that I didn't, I don't think was the case in the first season when Daphne had her debut all of the women in this debut had the same dress. Yeah, they didn't do that last yeah, season like that. I don't, yeah, I don't so I'm not crazy, right? It was all the same dress? Yeah. No. It looked like and, it. They had the same pattern that, right here and the same pattern on the right. sleeves, and then they all had the feather yeah. headdress in this season. Well, and, and Daphne's feather, she didn't even wear, to, it wasn't to her debut. It was when um, the night that the prince was going to propose to her, correct? Like, oh, I don't it was that. like later that she had that big feather in her head. It wasn't her first like yeah, you're right. debut. Maybe all it's all because it, of Daphne. Maybe they've all adopted it because she was the diamond and she was so wonderful. I don't know. That's why. Because I don't. I think the backs of the dress did not look the same, but the bodices on all the dresses mm-hmm. look the exact same. Yeah. Well, since there's only like one, well, I guess now there's two Modis in town. I mean, I guess it would make oh, sense right. if they could all look the same. Now there's yeah. second. Sorry, I don't know if that's in these episodes. Here I am with spoilers already. <laughs> but um, so they go to see the queen, which I don't know. That was just hilarious. And like, I mean, Eloise is just not wanting to do this. No. But I'm loving how through all of it, Viola just so proud looking. Like just, you know, <laughs> don't care if Eloise is having a good time or not. Nope. She's proud and she's living in her moment, you know, which is just funny. But and I love that she thinks smile that, on her face. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think I love that she thinks that Eloise is most concerned that she will be the diamond, that she'll disappoint the queen. And right. Viola's interpretation of that is you'll always be a diamond to me. Don't think she cares much about that. Pretty sure she doesn't want to be the diamond. I think her fear is the opposite of that. So your words do not help her at all. Right. They make her a little scared. But she, I love all the excuses Eloise is coming up with too. Can't you, my allergies. Can't you just tell her that something happened to my allergies? And I just, I suddenly got in my dress. <laughs> all these weird random things that she tried to get out of it. I do love and appreciate how neurotic Eloise is all the time though. Yes, I do like that. Mm-hmm. But um of course pen saves the day with her like lady whistle down coming out mm-hmm. at the exact which i was like that was good timing that you knew exactly when poor eloise was gonna have to be presented mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh 
And then as soon as the queen's like, everybody's, you know, can we leave now? And Eloise is like, out of there, like as quick as can be, you know, and Violet, like trying to stop her. And she's like, oh no, you know, yeah. (laughs) Violet through clenched teeth and a forced smile. I don't know what this means. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I mean, Eloise, poor girl, she fought it the whole way. I mean, what at the first ball when Mm -hmm. someone tries to ask her to dance, she's like, oh, my dance card's full, (laughs) knowing it's all like fake names. Like, Not even one not, real name on there. Nope, nope. But that was Daphne's advice. Make sure your dance card is filled with all the right names. <laughs> not quite, I think, how Daphne meant it. No. But, you know. No. <laughs> and she mistakenly impressed the queen. She did. By so talking about emeralds. That was funny. When the oh. queen starts laughing, the look on everyone's face is just like shock. Like, I don't know what's happening here. <laughs> <laughs> well, is she upset? Is she happy? Like, what, what did we do? But no, she thought Eloise was funny. So I think she liked her. The other portrayal that you see that's good in this is uh, Cowper. She is mm-hmm. just as hateable in the show as she is in the books. Yes. Like, I hate her. I feel like she's worse in the books, even. Yes. She's the light meaner. Which is, like, hard to believe. But, yes, she's terrible. <laughs> but I like when she goes up to uh, Eloise and says that she has an opening her group. And Eloise just shouts super loud, I would rather die. <laughs> I thought there was going to be more to it. Yes. That was it. She just I walked just away. The look on Penn's face is sort of shocked, but then like, it was kind of funny at the same time. Like, okay. <laughs> but I, I still, I love how, and I love how Penn like kind of supports Eloise in this because we know that she wants to do all this stuff. Yeah. But they're always sneaking away because Eloise wants nothing to do with it. And I, I do think it's a little crazy that Eloise is so blind to the fact that like Penn's not the same as you like she wants yeah. this I mean she eventually figures it out but like mm-hmm. here you've just assumed like we're just gonna be old mates together and it's fine and this is great you know mm-hmm. like well it's not what she wants and I like that Eloise allows her to be honest about it because it's mm-hmm. it's not that she it just so happens that no one wants her right it's not that she doesn't like it but she would love to be wanted she would love to be married she would love to do all this stuff and she even yeah. says in uh, the second episode when they're Eloise is reading Lady Whistledown again, and they're in the Bridgerton house and <laughs> encourages Penn to help her get mm-hmm. Eloise on board. And it's Eloise is talking about basically how she could never marry someone. She could never find someone that she could love like that. And Penn and her, you could though. And it's it's okay to do that. Penn was saying that she would like to get married, but she just can't. Where mm-hmm. Eloise is saying, No, I have no desire she to get married. Want to. Yeah. And that's after she finds <laughs> out how Ben feels about it too. Mm-hmm. so she she might figure out in episode one that pen she, feels that way but she doesn't really alter how she treats pen or how she interacts with pen about the stuff it's one thing to be honest about yourself and what you want but to kind of shove that on someone else who you know isn't doesn't feel the same it's kind of mean yeah. a little bit you know like eloise last season i loved her and I, mm-hmm. I still like her i mean i don't i don't dislike eloise i still like her i like her spunk i think she's hilarious yeah. like she makes me laugh but she is so like tunnel vision with like mm-hmm. what she wants. And she just thinks that like everyone else is wrong if they don't really want these. I mean, she just can't believe that Penn would, I don't know. It just, it bothers me that she's kind of oblivious yeah, to the people around her. Cause she did that kind of a little bit last season with Daphne. I mean, Daphne wanted this and it was almost mm-hmm. like she made fun of it. Like, mm-hmm. which isn't really fair. I mean, just because you don't want it doesn't mean that it's not okay that someone else does want this. Yeah. You know? And on top of like thinking other people are wrong, she thinks that if if they don't have a difference of opinion with her or if they don't voice it, then naturally they must agree with me. Naturally, they're mm-hmm. they're okay that I obsess with this because 
this is what they want to has mm-hmm. to do what they want to because it's what I want she's still on her whistle down kick too like I mean at the horse races what she I mean but I am impressed by her like investigative skills mm-hmm. because I mean she figures out that this paper is the same weight and exactly the same and poor pen is panicking like oh I'm sure it's just a coincidence she notices the k is exactly the same in another mm-hmm. one like i mean she's keeping penelope on her toes mm-hmm. like with this like trying to figure i don't know i was impressed she needs to be a detective yeah, <laughs> yeah. and she I mean, it's, it's crazy because she had those same skills last season but she mm-hmm. couldn't figure out anything mm-hmm. and now this season she actually likes lady with Sedong less wants to be less involved with her, and now she's figuring out more yeah she likes her less yeah i would like it to i would like to point out that the pamphlet she finds is what is it how to how to pick up after untidying your dog or something yeah. like that <laughs> and then yeah. we see when they're going to in episode two when they're going to lady danbury's foray mm. <laughs> violet is asking colin if he has any friends who are into dog grooming that might be available <laughs> and called to john is like are you feeling well <laughs> but then eloise is like no she's not at all she's she's not very well at all <laughs> that's what, i don't even think i caught that that's hilarious though <laughs> Violet just wants her to make a match so bad. She thought she finally found the one thing that Eloise liked that was <laughs> set her apart from other women. Oh, I know. <laughs> I hate that for Violet. Like, I mean, she just wants all of her children to just be as happy as she was with her mm-hmm. husband. And I don't know. It makes me sad for her. And plus, I mean, that, especially for the girls, that was how you lived. Yeah. You couldn't get a job. You couldn't support yourself. Yeah, you could be a governess, but you would be low in the total total society. And Eloise might say that she doesn't care about society but she's only ever lived in society so yeah i'm sure she's happy with the the things that she has exactly the way she's accustomed to living the status the money I, once that goes away you're going to be miserable and violet mm-hmm. is aware of that and violet is aware of what society does to women in that time period so for her to have so many girls yeah. the desperate need i mean it jane austen wrote pride and prejudice about um the the mother in there how she was neurotic about finding her five daughters a, a husband and when the, she's called out on it by elizabeth bennett she says you have five daughters and then tell me what you would do you'll react the exact mm-hmm. same because it, poor violet that's they think that she's just this matchmaking nosy woman but she yeah. her sons she just wants them to experience the the joy that she had for her daughter she wants to make sure they're protected mm-hmm. and i mean they should be thankful because i mean a lot of these moms are just pushing these girls off on whoever i mean she wants them to find love and to be happy and so i don't know it bothers me how they just sort of almost um, eloise almost pokes fun at her which Mm -hmm. bugs me you know yeah i will say though that um the really young lord who violet (laughs) entertains the idea of eloise being with maybe maybe a smidge to him yeah was he the one that wanted to play marbles with yep. like gregory and i said yeah and that was when eloise looked at her mom and said can i go down can i be excused now <laughs> <laughs> that was also the one who approached her at the ball and benedict immediately said sister come with me let's get some refreshments and let her away immediately so he's at least intuitive he knew like mm, she's not gonna want to dance with him I mean, especially like why would you pick somebody young because i mean yeah. as intellectual as eloise is like She'll, I mean, she'll immature, murder that kid's not, confidence every moment of yeah. every day. Yeah. That would be really miserable and unhappy. So one thing she does complain about, though, is that <laughs> Lady Whistledown could do so much more, and she's not. She's just repeating, what, simply repeating what she hears. Mm-hmm. And that used to excite her. Yeah. And I'm curious, and we'll never see it because it happened in the interim. So theoretically, this change happened when they were in the country. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious what made that change happen very suddenly. I mean, Eloise has always liked to read books. She's always been intellectual, but all of a sudden, it's Lady Wissadon is not enough for her. 
Well, I think it was surprising to Penelope too, because she was just like, I, I thought you liked, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was interesting that it was such a, a turn so quickly. Yeah. And I know that she said, may mention the market of how she thought she would miss whistle down, but she didn't. And she had time to pursue other writings on the mm-hmm. sex, but and I guess maybe a big part of my issue is comparing her to the book Eloise. Yeah. Cause book Eloise isn't like, that's what I was saying in the chat earlier. Like, I mean, she's still against, you know, marriage and all this, but she's not so radical. Like she's mm-hmm. not so like, it's different. Like, I mean, this one, like she goes, you know, to meet the, to check out the print shop and then she meets Theo and then he introduces her to that, that group for the women's rights. I mean, that's, that's not, that wouldn't have been book Eloise. So I think that's definitely, I struggle and mm-hmm. I need to quit comparing her to book Eloise, but yeah, it's hard. And I think it's, it's hard even to compare to last season's Eloise too, mm-hmm. because she was different last season. It's not that, because it's not like Lady Whistledown just repeats gossip. Like she's got wit and she mm-hmm. pokes fun at the very things that Eloise pokes fun at. She yeah. mocks them openly. And that's why Eloise was drawn to it because it was the same things that she had issues with society that Lady Whistledown took issues with. Mm-hmm. And so Eloise appreciated that wit and she appreciated that mockery. And this season is like, no, you're not smart enough anymore because I have other, I've read other things and just, I don't feel weird. Yeah, I didn't care for it. I mean, like I said, I still like Eloise. Yeah. She still makes me laugh. I love her sass and all that, but I don't like her as much as I did last season. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. I like too, like the actress who plays Eloise, she has the best facial expressions. She does. <laughs> I love every time she's annoyed with something, the look on her face makes me laugh a lot every single time. Mm-hmm. I love it. Mm-hmm. I would really like to talk with her. I would love that. Did anyone else think that something was going to happen with her and the footman when the footman brought her to the different shop? I did. Yes. <laughs> I mean, Whoa, what I is know. that? Yeah. And then we I, got Theo. I don't know. I, I felt like there was like something there. Mm-hmm. I did. There was like chemistry and I was like, oh, okay. I mean, Theo's fine too, I guess. But, mm-hmm. but I felt more between her and that footman than I did with her and Theo. Me too. And we only got that for like one scene. Me too. I thought for sure we were going to pursue that and I was here for it, but well. Not only was he trying to protect her by saying, maybe we shouldn't do this. I'll give you all your money back. But then he also follows her out to keep her protected. And mm-hmm. he's invested in what she's saying. And like when she accosts Keo and says, why else do you think we're here? <laughs> because the footman was like, that's why we're here. <laughs> no idea. No idea why they just were Just follows her where she, where she yeah. was telling, telling him to go. No. But it's, it's when she, Theo is, so for those of you who are watching this for a recap, Theo, it works at the print shop that the Whistledown papers are printed at. And so she, Eloise convinces the footman to take her there, the Bridgerton footman to take her there and she costs him. And he finds out that he's, what he's actually has in those, I like how she approaches him. What are, what's in those boxes? What are those papers? Why do you think anybody's going to give you that information? <laughs> like, I don't know. It's not like you're the queen who's come with your royal guard to ask him what this is. Right? I mean, he has no idea who you are. Like, why no. would he tell you anything? <laughs> yeah. So what it is, is it's, it's a pamphlet on women's rights, basically. Mm-hmm. And he mocks her for her desire to know who Whistledown is. And I think that might be the bigger changing point for her. That I think that's the connection they're trying to make, that Theo bringing that up to her and kind of mocking her in her frivolity. And I think yeah. that's why she pushed to move towards the women's rights stuff a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of funny that she's so against like relationships and all this. And then some guy sort mm-hmm. of mocks you and, and that makes you want to yep. change. So that's just sort of an interesting like parallel there. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe you're not so different than these other girls as you thought, Exactly. You know? So she's not the only one 
though we're trying to track down Whistletown. Whistledown. I mean, the queen like is determined to figure out who she is. I love the queen. I do too. She is just as good this year as she was last year. I just, she's so quirky and she's so. <laughs> she's so like she's terrible, but like mm-hmm. in the best way possible. Yes. Like. It's, I don't know how to explain. I still love her. Even and we can't awful. say, we can't say like all the points that she shows her soft spots because it's later on in the season. But mm-hmm. we can compare it to last season, we saw our soft spots whenever the king would come out mm-hmm. and she'd be transformed. And you know that she really does have a heart, but she's just the way her marriage deteriorated and the way her husband went insane mm-hmm. that she had to kind of block it off. Yeah. So she became. And she's a, got you know, without him around, I mean, this is all on her plate. So she just has mm-hmm. so much, I think, so much image to keep up. I mean, it's just. Yeah. I liked her zebras. I, know, I, just <laughs> yes. I like when she said to Lady Damer, let me show you where I house where my I have- elephant. Yes, <laughs> she's got an elephant too. Now she said she was trying to think of names for them, but after 15 children, she's run out of creativity. Was she talking about her own children or the zebras had 15 children? She ran out of I creativity. I think she meant her children. I think she meant hers. She had 15 children? I, I know. So. I was confused by that too. Because I would add a whole new layer of fun to this if we started meeting them. I think so. Wouldn't that be fun? Yes. We've never met any of them. How old are they? Are there some that are still small? Are they all grown? Like exactly. We've only heard about one of them, right? I don't don't think we've heard about about any of them. Well, they mentioned the king's king's daughter. daughter. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's season. It wasn't her daughter. But I don't don't know. Maybe it was her daughter. I don't know. Maybe. Because that's the only only one I ever heard more than one wife. But uh, mm-hmm. the wives shouldn't have had more than one husband, which is okay. completely sexist and stupid, but yeah. <laughs> it's what it is. So I thought it was because he, it was one of his stupors last season when he accused her of killing his daughter or taking away his child. It was in, when he come to dinner and then he started to lose it real fast. And then she had to have him dragged out of the dining That's room. That's right. But she, I like when she's talking to, she and Lady Danbury, actually it's really more the queen, as they're walking through the palace, realize that Lady Whistledown must be one of them because she hasn't written all in the off season. So obviously she went to the country with the rest of them. So mm-hmm. they're looking for someone among the peerage, which honestly, I thought that was discussed last season. Towards the end. I thought that's one of the things Eloise thought of, because at least at first Eloise thought it was a servant, but then I thought Eloise was like, no, can't be a servant. Yeah. Yeah, it was discussed. But maybe she didn't show that the queen. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe she didn't. <laughs> she did, because I thought that's how they, fi- I don't know. I thought, I thought they did, but maybe not. It's been a while since I've seen season one. Maybe so. I should have watched season one before I just jumped right into season no, two. I couldn't. I, I can. And I mean, people are going to kill me here. I can. I don't think I can ever go back and watch season one now. It just doesn't compare to this season. It does not compare, in my opinion. I feel like this season had one thing that the season had the last season didn't. And you brought this up in the chat is that it was more of like all about the relationships of the entire ensemble cast. Whereas last yeah. season, it focused on the duke and it focused on simon and daphne there were other relationship aspects sprinkled in but i feel like they Uh tried with this season tried to be more equal on all of them but it it was supposed to be about the viscount which this that part i didn't like i wanted it to just be about the viscount but but i I don't think we got enough of them honestly no no not Mm -mm. but the good thing is with that is like whereas like simon and i mean simon or daphne's in the future books simon's really not Mm-hmm. Kate and Anthony both are present in several books. So yeah. we should still see plenty of them for all the way through. Because I mean, they're the Viscount and Viscountess. I mean, of the, they're the head of the family. So mm-hmm. we get to see them. So they and should I be think in the book, 
the, the, the difference there, and the reason why I liked it in the book better than the, than the show is because in the book, they got together sooner. So we got more of them. But in the mm-hmm. show, they didn't get together until the very last minute. So we weren't able to get much of them. Mm-hmm. So I think I think that's the difference there. Now, Tiffany needs to read the book. like that. You got to do it, man. <laughs> You'll get so much more of them. Good stuff. It sounds like the book was better. The other thing I like about this is this season, it seems... I know that it's always been about bright colors and the music and all that, but it feels like this season was more vibrant visually. I don't mm-hmm. know anyone else saw that way, but it was like florals were more everywhere and the dresses were more like Kate's jewel tone dresses were so beautiful on her. So Kate, crazy though, beautiful. I know. My goodness. That woman is like beyond I gorgeous. I like, know. <laughs> but I even, with, even with the queen, like I felt like her colors popped more on her too. Mm-hmm. And like, especially she's always worn the weird wigs, which are one of my favorite aspects of her character of the crazy mm-hmm. wigs. But I feel like there's more colors to her wigs now. Even there was pink. Yeah. We saw purple. We saw white. The white ones are my favorite. There was a blue orange. one. Oh yeah, there was an a blue episode one. Two. Mm-hmm. When we saw the zebras, it <laughs> matched her Cinderella dress. Mm-hmm. So I just well, feel I like think the colors like, were more there. Last season, like the Featheringtons were like colorful, yes. but everyone else was more like demure. Yeah, this season it's like everyone's got everyone looks like it's colorful. Yeah. So. And it's crazy because in the first episode, as we talked about, it starts off with the the debutante mm-hmm. with all of them wearing the exact same dress in the exact mm-hmm. same cream color. Mm-hmm. And then it goes from there to just be like a color explosion. So that was yeah. kind of fun. Yeah. And I like that, um, <laughs> that one, the queen is immediately enthralled with Lady Whistledown when it comes with Eloise. Mm-hmm. And she's instantly shuts it all down. But also when Kate and Edwina come there, how she's hoodwinking Edwina so clever and she's being so kind and she just seems so effusive and Mm -hmm. wow you're really looking out for me you really care about me and Lady Mm -hmm. Danbury immediately is like nope no No, wait that's not stop you go let me talk to the queen (laughs) (laughs) and there's something that happens later in the season that I won't bring out that we need to remember this conversation by because Lady Danbury says is that why you chose her as your diamond and she said yes I chose her because she was brand new and I could trust her because she mm-hmm. was new. And we need to remember that situation for a couple seasons or a couple episodes from now because that comes back. It's right here. But she does end up naming Edwina as the diamond of the season. Obviously, I just said that, but she ends up naming her that. And it was the way it was, the way that whole thing happened when Eloise charmed her with the emerald thing and they're walking away and Pennant goes, <laughs> Eloise is the diamond. Who will you marry then, brother? <laughs> Benedict. I love Benedict. I love him. I love him. I love him. He made me laugh so many times in this season. He's so funny. Like, <laughs> I'm so angry. And I know this, like, I'm so angry that we hear that we're moving past mm-hmm. him into Colin's season next season. I'm upset because we, we need more Benedict. But honestly, I think that they could still pull out the Colin Penn thing for a while. That could, I mean, yeah, yeah, we need to like him more first. Yes. Right now, he's, but, but you won't until they're together. Yeah. He's in the books. The books made me like him less, actually. Yeah. So I like, I like show Colin better than I like Colin the books because I call him the book. His book, he was a jerk. He is. Once they're finally together, even then sometimes. Yeah. Well, I haven't read really any books past then, so I don't know what he's like in future books. Like I, I, that was the last book I read was Collins. I need to send you Eloise because I'm just going to skip it. They're changing her up so much. I'm not even going to bother. Like I've moved on to Francesca. So I'll just let me send you Eloise. Really. So what did you think of 
because the queen was upset with lady mary because the one thing she said when uh lady danbury introduced reintroduced lady mary to the queen she said something about how um if you had paid your queen the respect and said goodbye before you left like mm-hmm. was she really that close to the queen i think the queen was just being the queen and just being kind of you know just because nobility left nobility found somewhere else to go yeah and maybe because she maybe she didn't know about it until after it already happened and we know that she doesn't like to not <laughs> be in the noah stuff so <laughs> And well, Mary did seem really, I mean, like really scared mm-hmm. when she had to go yeah. meet the queen. Mm-hmm. Well, Lady Danbury points out too that clearly, Edwin, or clearly, Kate, it wasn't Mary who wanted to come back here. She doesn't right. want to be here at all. It was all you, mm-hmm. <clears throat> which she's not wrong about. But, and I, I love the other thing I love about how <clears throat> I keep wanting to call her Pimp, and I'm going to call her Lady Whistledown just for the sake of being clear. That she taunts the queen more openly this season. Mm-hmm. Last season, it was Lady Whistledown's paper was about the gossip and creating funny and mocking. And this season, it seemed to be she had an extra grind with the queen. Yeah. And I felt like every episode, she was like, "Why? Why? 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 Why would you bring that? Why would you do that to yourself?" Yeah, I'm not really sure. I mean, like, we're definitely drawing attention, like, because clearly the queen is out for blood now. Mm-hmm. and she's you don't dare and so i mean already you should have known that about the queen that nobody nobody speaks down to the queen Mm-mm. not even if you're in her inner circle you don't get to speak down to her at all no. you bow to her at every area mm-hmm. at every turn and so for pen to call or lady whistled on the call at the queen and challenge her on several different occasions that's what sparks the queen to call edwin and the diamond and to get her to unwittingly work with her and tell her everyone who she talks to mm-hmm. how to, and the yeah. way she words it is very threatening when she says and if anyone does try to spread lies or talk to you about things, you let them come to me and I'll decide if they were like the way she said it was so ominous. Mm-hmm. I loved, I don't know. I thought that was a really clever way of trying they to like, dig that I out. I really liked it. But I, I think that that's one of the reasons I like the queen so much though, mm-hmm. is because she's the only one who can pull it off and she can be so ominous with the smile. And it's, you find yourself like, yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. When, when you walk away, Wait, what? What did I just agree to? (laughs) But she's so, she's charming in her authority and she's Mm -hmm. unabashedly, it's my way or no way. And Mm -hmm. get line or get out. And I I really, really, really like that about the queen. And she's the same as she was last season. I love it. Mm -hmm. So because she's trying to unveil Lady Whistledown, Penelope is running into some problems and she, she has to mask herself who she is yeah. to hide from certainly now the queen who she's made a very big enemy of i like that we got to see or got to see here <laughs> her actual accent mm-hmm. i love her irish accent mm-hmm. i love watching interviews with nicola nicola mm-hmm. because i just like hear her talk mm-hmm. yeah i thought that was a fun little touch for her to get to use her her real mm-hmm. accent when talking to them she's all business though mm-hmm. like when she goes in there <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Yeah, she's like, she's not even negotiating. Like mm-hmm. she was straight up telling them it's going to be this way and you're going to take this deal. Mm-hmm. I love seeing that side of her because it's yes. so opposite of what she portrays herself when she has to be, mm-hmm. you know, when she's Penelope. But like, I love seeing her take charge. I'm like, this is who we need to see. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I really, I really, uh, grew to fall in love with Penelope even more this season mm-hmm. just because of her 
her attitude, her demeanor. Like, mm-hmm. She just took charge of the situations. Yeah. Really, she I seemed really a little like more her. frightful this season, though, when she was as Penelope. Mm-hmm. As Penelope, yeah. Maybe that's why she was so forceful as Lady Wissadon's assistant. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's just, I don't know. She gets to show that side of herself that she's not mm-hmm. able to show anywhere else. Yeah, she seems like she really just can't be herself around anybody anybody <laughs> anybody i mean not even not even eloise now mm-hmm. yeah feel sorry and especially not colin like her and colin he like, sent in her mixed messages man i know that he's like when what was he told her when he said you're a pen you don't count that was so mean i don't and i know he didn't he didn't mean, mean it mean but it was so mean <laughs> but how is he so oblivious that like how is her best friend so oblivious that she's mm-hmm. got this huge crush on her brother like it's another where we just see eloise is only about eloise yeah like she notices nothing else and it's so yeah. frustrating she's definitely got tunnel vision on herself mm-hmm. <laughs> and when colin i mean when colin says you don't i mean you don't say you don't count to anybody like that's not yeah. th- there is in no way that can be construed as a compliment what he should have said is your pen you're my friend that would yeah. have been different but your pen you don't count long pause you're my friend yeah. like you, and on top of that i mean the way he was looking at her when he first came back i would have thought he was into me yep mm-hmm. yep the way he looked at her a few times throughout the season yes. honestly yes and even pen. when he said to her in that conversation you know when he was saying that he he found himself i said i just needed to see myself the way you see me mm-hmm. hello <laughs> he's an idiot you're blind <laughs> yes i would i just i seriously wanted to just smack him. <laughs> he's making me mad this season i do like that benedict mocks him so openly though because when he first came in he's like we need to bring you to the doctors you got something you got something on your face <laughs> it's benedict man i just love how like i don't know he's so great I, like in the books it's and even last season it was like calm was the best brother he was the happiest brother he was the funniest brother but isn't that benedict yeah it definitely is he seems more happy than anybody else all the time oh, he's, he's always happy. laughs much quicker than anybody else mm-hmm. and he's a, he pays attention to everybody else mm-hmm I feel bad for Penelope because obviously she's trying to get these out, these articles out, but Eloise doesn't even, one, when she, in that first ball, I think it was Lady Danbury's ball, the first one where Kate and Edwina were announced or were introduced, whatever, and she's back there talking or listening to the servants. Eloise comes back there and those two gentlemen come out there and they're talking to Eloise and Penn is actively talking to them and making jokes and making references and nothing. Eloise doesn't even pay attention. Eloise doesn't even notice that she's talking. Mm-hmm. And then when she finally, she's going out to deliver her paper and Eloise stops her and says, look at the best thing about this is you and I can always run away together. We'll never be alone. And this is, after, again, it's after Penn had said, I like this stuff. She's not concerned with anybody else. It, it no. drives me nuts. And Penelope is so, and that's part of the reason why the last episode of the season takes me off so much is because Penelope does nothing but look out for those she loves. Mm-hmm. and it sucks that they just the bridgertons love her but they don't really see her i know except for i think violet does i think she does yeah 
but I don't think any, even her best friend doesn't see her. And that goes back to last season when Penelope was going through hard times and Eloise wouldn't stop thinking about Lissadon and Penn lost it on her one time. And Eloise was like, I'm done. I'm going to walk away. You're so offensive. But Eloise is constantly exploding on Penn. Even in this episode, or even this, the first two episodes we see here, Eloise is constantly like saying things that are so cavalier and mean and mm-hmm. Penelope just takes mm-hmm. it. I don't know. It's definitely one-sided in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And I have no doubt that Eloise loves Penn. I don't, I don't yeah. doubt that, but I think that they don't really know Penn because mm-hmm. they don't, they don't care enough to make her know that she's, well, that's Penn. She's always here. Mm-hmm. She's nice to us. We're, we're friendly. Yeah. I did like, and that is one good thing about Edwina. Like there was a scene where she says to Penn, like, I love your dress. And Penn was like, thought she was mocking her. And she was like, no. And I think that that's a transition that Edwina from the book is true as she is in the show that she just truly is a really nice person mm-hmm. I mean, both the Sharma sisters are um but I like that I don't know yeah. if she was you know, just complimenting her she was yeah. like no I'm not making fun of you like I like it and she says that it's it has more to do with the person wearing it than what the gown actually looks like or something like that mm-hmm. yeah I really liked Edwina the first half of the season mm-hmm. yep. and then we see uh Pen when she ran into Genevieve mm-hmm. on the other side of town. I thought that was going to be like a really bad situation. Yeah. Not so if much. she would have stayed and said something to her instead of immediately turning and running. Yeah, just ran off if, like, nope, yeah. never saw me. I wasn't I mean, here. Probably wouldn't have been well, a big deal. Obviously, she's seen you enough times that she's going to recognize you. Right. So you turning around and running doesn't help. Like, no. Just... She's going to remember weird and then she's gonna start thinking of all the things that were weird instead yeah, of just because then she's gonna pick up on the up. clothes on the on the way she was talking and the way she was acting and what she was doing and where she mm-hmm. was where if she would have just stopped and talked to her like a normal human being and been like yeah. oh that was weird okay i'm gonna move on i mean we know she like you know she writes her letters and does all this stuff surely you could have just come up with something you were mm-hmm. down there buying like yeah something your mom didn't want you to so you came i mean come on <laughs> you could have made up a story she's a writer exactly mm-hmm. it should have been that hard and we have our leading lady and our leading man anthony and kate right away instant connection i saw between those two the first meeting i, I just i fell in love with them the second they entered the screen <laughs> their chemistry was just absolutely insane like even better than i could have hoped for i think it was perfect casting for Kate and it, it was wonderful mm-hmm. that um the opening scene like where they meet that's not in the books either but I loved that part how did they meet in the books what was it it's just at the dance like I think Colin introduces them because like they're at one of the balls and Colin meets them first oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and introduces mm-hmm. like Anthony and probably Benedict too to yeah. him so this was much more fun like mm-hmm. he sees her and I love he sees her out riding a horse he just assumes that she's like in trouble because you know this woman here she is like you know racing through there on a horse and she's like not in trouble she's just fine on her own except for she is lost which she didn't realize at first she was going the wrong way but it just sets up like the whole tone of their competitiveness Mm -hmm. and their the spark that they have and you can see like at the end of that scene when she's like riding away just the smile on his face I mean like we've never seen that smile on Anthony's face not like that you know so it's exciting even after she makes that first jump to get away from him Mm -hmm. he has that smile on his face he's impressed like Mm -hmm. 
you know, this is, you know, he's, he's wanting to find a wife, but he's not going to fall in love because that's just, you know, not who he is. He's being way too practical about the whole thing with mm-hmm. his checklist and his interviews, which cracked me up anyways. Oh my gosh, like, his interviews were so funny. I loved it. I love like, the harpist. Say to his mom, I have interviews set up with women. I thought he was joking or just using the term <laughs> interviews. Nope. He's actually interviewing these poor women. There were two favorites I had. The one was when he was walking with the first woman and he's like, can we give it any fact how many children you would like? Three. Four. I mean five. No six. Like <laughs> <laughs> so... she's searching for the right answer. Like, <laughs> and the harpist. And he's like, do you read books? Books. What? <laughs> What else did you read? read? (laughs) Oh my gosh. There was the one who was so proud that she made hats and then her mom pops up from beside her. (laughs) With the hat on. I was just like, (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, I mean, you see, he's not taking that very seriously though because here he is, he's interviewing these women, mark them all off. But then he's having other encounters with other women that, he's paying for these encounters because we keep seeing him drop off coins so i mean i don't know it's just it but it it fits like anthony where we left him off last season like this is where he is he expects to never fall in love Mm -hmm. um he's just looking for the perfect viscountess i guess i think he expects to fall in love i think he's working to not fall in love oh yeah he, he doesn't want to like i mean he's and see they don't explain why I still don't feel like it, it, they don't dive as deep as they do in the oh, book. Oh, they don't. Like, his, no. like absolutely yeah. not. No. Yeah. But they, they do discuss it. But we're just not going to discuss it in these first two episodes. Okay. We'll scratch that then. And uh, Violet made me laugh so hard when I get to that first ball. And she's like so loud with, you know, the whole, this is the season the Viscount is going to find a wife. And he's like, did you really just do that? I believe I just did. Everybody's head just turns. I'm like, excuse me. You know, looks like he's signing autographs instantly around right? him. <laughs> so funny. I do like when Kate spies him dancing. Mm-hmm. She's watching him from around the room. Mm-hmm. And the one that she sees him dancing is the woman who's continuously screwing up the dance moves and steps. And Anthony's just getting more and more irritated, but he's still doing the dance until he yes. just walks off the dance floor. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I mean, he doesn't even bow to her or not. He just no. counts. Like, or scratch that name off the list, right? What did she say? She's more, she much prefers a quadrille or something. Yeah. Like, okay. Well, it was one of the ones in the interview. That was oh, when right. we saw the bevy of interviews, but this one was another one who, uh, she, she wasn't stepping on him. She just kept forgetting dance moves and he had to keep directing her to move the right way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then they, uh, Kate overhears him talking. I'm like, oh my gosh, foot in your mouth, like talking to these guys. I can't remember its exact words. I should have like wrote it down, but I mean, basically, like she said, I mean, he's treating it. I mean, we see he's treating it like some sort of business transaction. Mm-hmm. And I think the part when she said something about like, what was it about like that they would, you know, there would be no problem with them wanting him when he was talking to those guys. I mean, mm-hmm. just like, I mean, how arrogant can you be, Anthony? Like, come on. He was being arrogant, but he was also being honest. It's true. true. Because he is the most next to the Duke. He would have been the most eligible bachelor. Yeah. I mean, season. I would have been happy too. <laughs> be chosen so it's okay and we see it's kind of an echo to the first scene we see with anthony when he's in the carriage with benedict and gregory when mm-hmm. he's going over what he wants in a wife he's like shouldn't be that hard i just need someone who is what does he say who has um good standing who has 
hips that are good enough for childbearing and has half a brain. That last one is not a requirement, but preference. Mm-hmm. So, I love that in that scene, even Gregory is looking at him like you're an idiot. And this is like a <laughs> yeah. child that understands that this is not how you need to go about this. And I love that Benedict completely eggs him on with it. Oh yeah. I mean, that's all he ever does. I love it. <laughs> so is, this is this is a more blunt and, and vocal version of that where he's uh-huh. around guys who want his family and he's just saying uh-huh. it like it is. Yeah. And of course, Kate has to kick over that random bucket that's in Lady Danbury's backyard. Yeah. <laughs> that gardener should be fired. I liked in that conversation too, when she says something about like, you know, all you need is something and a pleasing smile. He's like, oh, so you find my smile pleasing. <laughs> I mean, here I am like, oh, you know, I mean, my gosh, she's so good with the flirt. I'm like, how is she like keeping a straight face when he says these things to her? Cause I wouldn't. I don't think she does all the time. No, she doesn't. She does better job at hiding it than I would. I mean, I would be puddle on the floor. Like mm-hmm. there's no way. She reverts to like, when he says those things, sometimes she'll like cock her head to the back. And she'll look irritated by it, but she's stopped speaking for a couple of seconds there mm-hmm. before she picks up again. So yeah. she's clearly not unaffected by it. Yeah, she's she's definitely affected by it. Yeah, I mean, Anthony rushes up there once Edwina's announced as the diamond, doesn't he? Like, I mean, just pushes all the other guys out of the way, you know? Mm-hmm. So he can make sure he has the first dance with her. Which and Kate of course, is not happy about once she realizes. No. Yeah. But Edwina is very excited about it. Yes. We see this a little later, like when she, um, right before, it's in the second episode. It's in, towards the beginning. It's when you hear the voiceover lady whistle on saying that anyone who has to go through this has to go through this particular monster of a beast, also known as her sister, whatever. But she has a list of all the acceptable gentlemen. And Viscount Bridgerton is not on the list. No. And Lady Danbury brings this up. Did you forget him? And Mary brings up, well, that's exactly what Edwina wants is someone like Bill Highcamp. Isn't that right? So it's, mm-hmm. there's that, there's that juxtaposition where that's, and Anthony brings it up to Kate when he brings the horse <laughs> for Edwina. And he says, isn't it possible that you're saying these are all the things that you don't want, but what about, isn't it more possible that it's more about what she wants than what you want? Yeah. I want her, not you. Which oh, that's clearly lie. not true. Clearly not true. <laughs> But neither one of them have admitted this at this point. So, mm-hmm. and at this ball, at this worry where she, at Lady Danbury's first worry in episode one, the moment she sees Anthony, Kate says, I know him. Mm-hmm. You, you wouldn't have just that? randomly shouted that if you weren't affected by him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She has to change her tune because Lady Danbury's like, mm, you, you shouldn't know him. Yeah. How would you know him? <laughs> but I mean, just the way those two, like, I mean, every, I don't know how people didn't get it. Mm-hmm. every scene they are in together yeah like they cannot stop staring at each other every single scene mm-hmm. and it's like how do you how do you not notice like how do you not notice that like they obviously I mean at the very least you should see that they're attracted to each other yeah mm-hmm. and there's not really a reason why you should be that passionately angry at someone you don't know anything about unless you know, there's some sort of sexual tension there Yes. And there was lots of that. Even at the races when they were sitting next to each other. And I like, first of all, I don't know if Kate realized she was doing this, but when she said there's plenty of room, that just meant she had to sit super close to Anthony, Mm -hmm. like crazy Mm -hmm. close. And the way he was looking at her when she was whistling and the way she was jumping up and coming back at him, Edwina and what's his name? Dooster? Douster? Duster? 
Dorster, Dorster, I don't know. Something He's with the unimportant D. at yes. this point. He's unimportant. <laughs> but he and Edwina even go back and talk to each other and say, should we separate them? Like they're, hello, mm-hmm. there's something there. Yeah. That was one of my favorite scenes, just their interaction, just mm-hmm. how like she's like schooling him mm-hmm. on like which horse is going to win. And he's just so, you can see he's so annoying, but so impressed by her at the same time. Absolutely. Yeah. I love it. And that's what he was hoping to avoid with someone who would be challenging. And I think that he kind of thought if she's the diamond, she's going to be frivolous and that'll be, if she, she can be smart, but she's not going to be mm-hmm. challenged. Yeah. Yeah. But Kate was a challenge. And that's what Anthony craves is a challenge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I do like how she schools them in front of all those, all those suitors too. The day after they announced that she's the, he, she's the diamond. <laughs> the long line of men there. And Anthony, she's, already do agree with him when he speaks up that you have to wait your turn and she's like absolutely lord and she sees it's him and she's not happy mm-hmm. well i mean that's just like i mean just like when he went to dance with edwina he just thinks he can just pass everybody else by because yep. he's the viscount she's not gonna have that like no mm. you're not doing it so <laughs> i have to say i like random guy number two in that line who's <laughs> was the second guy in line and he kept going did- yeah back in the line bridgerton <laughs> I don't every every time I watched it just made me laugh. I don't know if it's how he delivered the line, but it was so I don't know. It was so bizarre, and uh, I don't know. I didn't even notice him. Of course you didn't, because Anthony was standing right there. I, I noticed nothing <laughs> else, and I mean I know it's an obsession. Like I, I couldn't tell you anything about anybody else's season, really. Just... Let the audience and listeners know that in our group chat for our Bridgerton Facebook group. Jeanette has done nothing for the past, well, since March 25th. So there's TikToks yeah. of Anthony Bridgerton and Jonathan Bailey. Really, there's no, it doesn't matter which one it is. Yes, they're all the same at this yeah. point. That's <laughs> yeah. what I do. <laughs> but Kate, in that moment when he shows up there, Kate shuts him down pretty soundly, pretty loudly. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he's asking for dates for the next couple of days. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, maybe December. And that's why he resorted. Dorset, that's his name. Right now, there we go. Dorset. And that's why uh, Anthony arranged for Dorset to distract Kate at the races so he could mm-hmm. spend time with Edwina. And that didn't go over well when Kate found out. I mean, I mean how, how did that play out in his head? I, mean, I guess really... he assumed that maybe Dorset wouldn't actually tell her instead of he slipped up and talked about him at Oxford, you know. But I do think, I mean, like Dorset was actually interested in Kate. I, I mean, I, I think he was. You know, I kind of like Dorset actually. Well, I mean, I liked him too, but he's no, he's no Anthony. We might need to stop saying it like that. It's Anthony. Yeah. I'm I saying know. it the American way. I need to say mm-hmm. it the British way, which was Anthony, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think he'll make her a good friend. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, that's it. Right. Um, the soiree though. <laughs> that was so funny guys. Like, I mean, I was cracking up at like these men being ridiculous. And then of my course, favorite Anthony, comment was Eloise's. When that yes. one guy came out there and she just went, what? <laughs> that was it. That was all she said. And the look mm-hmm. on her face was sheer disgust. Yeah. It was the guy who was like spinning a ring oh, on yeah. a string. <laughs> there was another one that was like. The dancer? What Pin was asking like to Colin, like, did you come to like. The hoops? Some Watch hoop the men jump through these hoops? We actually do have some hoop rolling. Like, I mean, like somebody actually came through doing that. Like, it was just the funniest thing ever. I love Anthony's conversation with, with uh, Benedict too, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, Benedict, I need you. I'm in the midst of a conversation yeah. outside yeah. now. 
and it just Benedict went out there and he just like a good brother you know the whole exchange Mm -hmm. (laughs) if he says I need you to make me teach me how to read this and sound good and then he starts reading it and Benedict just starts laughing Mm -hmm. so and he gives us a little glimpse of Benedict too of mm -hmm. how easily he started spouting that off and it was like and that was off the top of his head he wasn't even reciting a poem he was just saying what poetry was and it was so Mm -hmm. beautiful beautiful and eloquent and passionate that anthony was like write that down yeah and he did he wrote it down yeah i have a question because i wasn't sure at first like the first time i watched this when anthony is reading that and he decides to crumble it up i thought okay that that was part of his plan all along but then i watched the second time Mm. i'm like was it or was that really him just speaking like i couldn't decide if this was like i think he felt so ridiculous looking around the room and seeing all the men who were preening peacocks that yeah. he was like, I can't, I think it was genuine. I can't do this. This is Which what I, I like it you. better that it's genuine. Mm-hmm. The first, the first time I watched it, I thought, oh, come on, Anthony, here you are. Honestly, just I think it was more for Kate's benefit than Edwina's. Mm-hmm. I think he was pleading his case to Kate. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. I mean, it worked because Edwina was like melting after he said all that. Everybody you know? was melting. Everybody even, was. Even the Featherington sister who was like, <sighs> yes. Even Jeanette at her home was like, ha. Huh oh I was doing that quite often (laughs) well when I tell you like there were moments that I like stopped breathing for a minute I did I quit breathing which by the way I commented that on TikTok like somebody said I use those words quit breathing and I got like a little notification because I guess you're not allowed to say that because it sounds like you're dying like yeah I got told like if I like made comments like that like you could get like blocked I'm like I wasn't talking about actually stop breathing, guys. I was just talking about how hot he was. Like, I don't, That's or not how, even him, just there, them together. But That's you know, it was stupid. funny. Yeah, there were moments that I was like, whew, my breath, because I was like holding it, watching their scenes, like, oh my gosh. And even within that scene, when he pleads, when he was pleading his case to Kate or to Edwina, you know, whoever you want to say it was to, but when Kate hears that something alters in her and yes. she's left staring after him and then she runs into that butler and anthony looks so deeply concerned for her when mm-hmm. she runs into that butler and i loved the look on his face when he but and then when she came back in the room the first thing that happened was anthony looked right out of the moment she came back in that room and they he's standing with edwina i mean they weren't like they weren't secretive about all of this all season no. they were quite obvious actually Mm-hmm. And so how people didn't know, I'm just like, what? How do you not, how are you not seeing this? Mm-hmm. I mean, the looks he gave her literally every 10 seconds. Yes. Come on. Yeah. How it, could it you amazing. not see that? But I don't know. Let's, uh, let's talk more about all of the Sharmas. Let's talk about Mary and Edwina. What did you all think of, I guess, them being introduced as our new family? In the first two episodes, which I'm going to try to stick to. <laughs> That's what's hard, I know. Okay, so all of us have, you guys have to understand that all of us have watched all eight episodes of this season. Mm-hmm. We're trying to only give you our opinion based on these two episodes, but we already know what's coming. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's a little difficult to give our honest opinions here, but I mean, not honest opinions, but give you shortened versions of our opinions. But I do like the Sharmas. I think that it's clear in the first two episodes that Mary does not want to be there. Right. That Kate is pushing, that Edwina just is like, I'm so happy to have a season kind of thing. But I don't, and again, this has to do because I've read the book. I don't like how shallow they made Edwina. Mm-hmm. I think that e- even with, with um, everything that she does, she looks to her sister first. Like, 
almost like Tibet. I know she did that in the books a bit, but a little, but not like this though. It was like everything. And then when it came to um, the conversation we talked about earlier, where Lady Danbury's like, "Oh, you left at the Viscount State without a purpose," she says, "Lord, whatever his name is, Rutledge, something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Not important. He doesn't last." But he, trust me, he will be enough for you. He will make the Viscount melt away. And Edwin is like, okay. But that's clearly not what she wants. Like she's not, she's not saying anything for herself. Yeah. And the reason I'm pointing this out is because this is going to come back in a very big way later on. And I want you to remember this, that Edwina was happy, more than happy to do whatever Edwina, to do whatever Kate said. And it's not like Kate was telling her to do something. Kate was advising her and Edwina was taking everything she said to the letter and doing it. Yeah. That's on her. Kate didn't make her yeah. do that. Kate's just nope. trying to be a good sister and advisor. And it's clear, we see in episode two, that or episode one, I think, Lady Danbury reaches out to the Sheffields, who are Lady Mary's parents. Now, the background there is that Lady Mary married a shopkeeper when she was in the peerage. So she married way below her station, and then she left for India with him. Her parents disowned her because she married a shopkeeper. They wanted her to marry a lord or a duke or a icon or something of her station or above, and she didn't. So her grandparents disowned her. Right. So Lady, ba- Lady Danbury reaches out to them and asks them, you know, what's the deal here? And then this is where we find out that the Sheffields had said um, the only way that Kate or Edwina will receive any money if she marries an Englishman of nobility. Can't be anyone from India. It has to be an Englishman of nobility. And that's why Kate had the push to go there. Lady Danbury feels lied to, obviously, because she was a little bit. Yeah. But that's why Kate is pushing so hard for this, because she's even in this, she's. I think that this comes up in a bad way later too, but Kate is desperately just trying to make sure they don't have money left. Right. They have nothing left. So this is the, again, we talked about this before that in this time period, marriage for a woman was the only way you survived. Mm-hmm. Even if you were a governess, it was barely surviving because you were still at the mercy of someone else and they could fire you like that for no reason whatsoever. Yeah. It's not like there was a union. It's not like there was workers protection and there wasn't. So mm-hmm. the only way for a woman to really survive is to get married. And that's why Kate is pushing for this. And I think that that's forgotten somewhere in the season. Mm-hmm. So I want to make sure that we point that out right away, that that was Kate's goal is to make sure that her sister is not just cared. I mean, she's looking for a love match. Right. When Lady Danbury says I... she needs to know, she says, I, it's because I know her, I won't tell her because mm-hmm. then she'll just marry the first guy who asked without falling in love and she deserves love. Yeah. Sorry, did I say what you were going to say? Yeah, you said what I was going to say. <laughs> Surprise. You know, you know, and I had issues with, with Mary a little bit. And again, it's because I've read the book. Mm-hmm. Mary was so meek and so quiet and just this very reserved. It's not Mary in the books. I mean, Mary is, I feel like, I mean, even though she's not Kate's biological mother, you see a lot of similarities in them and you see that Kate is a lot like her and that she's a strong woman. And they didn't portray that in the series, which kind of bothered me a little bit. Um, I don't know. It's just kind of just letting Kate take over everything. Yeah. I just didn't care for Edwina and and Mary as much as I did in the books. I didn't dislike them in the series, but they were much stronger. Like the whole, they were Sheffield family in the book, but the whole Sheffield family was just, they were also likable and also like, I liked them a lot. And so it just kind of, it was a little bit of a letdown for me seeing those two characters kate lived up to her potential and exceeded it by far but the other two were just eh, for me 
Remind me in the book, did the grandparents set the same ultimatum for Edwina? Right? Um, it was the no, same thing? no. I because I think they weren't having any money troubles. They just came because it was time for Edwina to come. Because they weren't in India. They were just, you know, that part wasn't wasn't part of it. So it was just time for Edwina to come out. And I guess just Kate had shown no interest prior to that. And so Kate was actually like, I feel like her, like, wasn't Mary trying to find her someone at the same time? Like in the books, yes. Yeah, I was gonna and say, Edwina, it wasn't like Kate had to keep saying, No, we're not looking for me. Right. In the mo- in the show, it was Lady Danbury was saying, you know, for you. Yeah. And that's when Lady Danbury had that conversation with her that it's she finds it criminal against honesty or something like that. That she says mm-hmm. she wants to be alone at 26. And Kate comes back with, Well, you are. I watch yeah. you, and you're happy. And I love Lady Danbury's comeback when she said, mm-hmm. You are not me. I've lived, I've had children, I've, I'm a widow. And until you, until you smarten up, basically, you're never going to be me. Yeah. Because Kate is so honed in on, I'm going to go back to India. I'm going to do my own thing. I don't need a husband. I'm going to be perfectly happy in India because it has my tea and it has the things that I like there. Yeah. And see, that was a little like, because I'm trying to remember in the books, I don't feel like it was, well, because her and Anthony get together so much quicker that we don't get to see a lot of this, but it wasn't that she was like against marriage. She just... Mm -hmm didn't really care she was there to focus on edwina it wasn't like she was gonna like push off anybody else that came her way she was just focused on edwina yeah whereas like like she had no plans of moving off somewhere and being a governess she was just i mean she was okay with being like an old maid but she wasn't like that wasn't like her dead set goal yeah whereas you know i don't know it it was different so i don't know it ends my rant about the sheffield sharma i think it's good i think that people because i think a lot of people a lot of people watch Bridgerton because it was something that came out on Netflix, but a lot of people also watch, I think it's pretty divided between those who watch it without reading the books and those who watch it mm-hmm. having read the books and that's why they're watching. So I think there's a pretty yeah. even divide. I think it's good to talk about both of them in relation there. There's a lot of people too that watch season one like me and then was like, oh my God, I have to get these books and read them all because <laughs> yeah. that's not enough. <laughs> and I, I mean, I typically prefer books anyway because there's so much more detail in the books than what mm-hmm. you can put on screen. So I kind of like that, but I do at the horse races with them. Um, Anthony somehow convinces Dorset or the Lord, whatever, to go get a drink without even asking him to get up and get a drink. Yeah. Like this dude wants to impress Viscount Bridgerton so much when it's obvious that he is courting, he wants to court Edwina. Like it's, uh-huh. it's so blatantly obvious, not only because he's looking right at her and talking only to her. But yeah. since she was announced the diamond, he's been at every event that Anthony's been at. He's clearly pursued her. So why would you want to impress the Bridgertons in that way, dude? What? I don't know. Like, and I do think he gets a clue when he comes back with the stuff and he realizes like, okay, like now you're kind of in my space. Or when Anthony says like, let's take a, a walk I'll and I'll show you the like, horse. Excellent idea. That's like, I think he then noticed, he starts yeah. to realize like, okay, now I see what's going on. Mm-hmm. Because even Anthony, like he looked up, he's like, I was going to call on you the other day. And it, Kate starts to say something. Anthony doesn't, he just talks right over her as she's talking, which mm-hmm. had to infuriate her. Mm-hmm. And she's trying to say, Edwina's aware of everything. But he's like, but I had to breakfast with my family. We're very close. And then she looks around. Oh, there's something so nice about a family. And Kate's trying to throw this Lord a bone. He's like, mm-hmm. there are. I imagine there are many nice families like that in the town. And then he says, None not like, like the, the Bridgertons. Bridgertons. Yeah. <laughs> you shouldn't be with Edwina. You're a nice no, guy. No, no. You're clearly stupid. Yeah. Yeah. 
so not smart enough for her and i do like how uh, how well versed we see that she is because when we first meet them and lady damber is examining them we see that everything that edwina knows how to do is because kate has taken great pains to teach her kate made mention to lady damber that she spent eight years the past eight years teaching her these things watching her more than anyone else and critiquing her more than anybody else because she wanted her to have that life so she plays several instruments she's well versed in languages even in the greek and latin she knows how to do all these dances she knows how to do so many things and more than your average lady of the tongue knows how to do Mm -hmm. and that's all thanks to kate honestly and one of the things that anthony says to violet is this woman is good is responsible for bringing my sisters out Hmm? well i think we just found someone who can do that successfully with your sisters (laughs) yeah exactly. of course anthony doesn't hear her say all this stuff but right but i think he should know because he knows that kate has like taken care of her and he, i think he can see like that edwina is so like such a well-rounded person mm-hmm. that i mean that you think he could just assume that that probably came from kate like yeah taking care of her and i think i i don't know that he stopped to listen to that so much because typically it's the mom who does that so i think they mm-hmm. just assume and that kate is just being the one who is caring for her, protecting her, but hasn't been the one yeah. to teach her, maybe. But I don't know if this, how vocal she is and how, the one thing I didn't like too about how they portrayed Kate is there are times when, yeah, Kate, where Edwina blindly follows Kate's advice without even a second thought, but times like mm-hmm. at the races when she said, we're leaving now. At the first ball, when she walked up to Lady Danbury and said, we're leaving now, we're clearly not prepared. Like super rude departures yes. that are very sudden very forceful and very possessive and Edwina clearly doesn't want to obey them but she does them anyway because she's mm-hmm. Kate and I wish that there was more of the camaraderie between them that there was in the books and there's yeah it's, it's a, a power imbalance in the show I think <clears throat> and that and it's not bad it just makes me have less respect yeah. for Edwina well and I mean as it goes on I know we can't we won't talk about everything but as it goes on it's almost like Kate gets almost villainized mm-hmm and I don't care for that no, because that's not been. how it was either like Edwina kind of followed her lead in the books and stuff but she was with her 100% of the way yeah. like it and wasn't they like it was this, things yeah because it, it wasn't like this authoritative like person that Kate was no they discussed things mm-hmm. Edwina was just I think she just went with Kate because she wouldn't make Kate happy because she loved her and I mean it was just this sisterly like mm-hmm. But it was less of a, I don't know. There, there was more conversation between the two of them. It was more equal. Yeah. In they almost years. made Kate seem like her mother more than her sister. Yeah. yeah. And her mom didn't seem like a mother at all in some aspects. And that wasn't the way it was in the books at all. No. And I, I don't, I, in these first two episodes, I don't dislike Edwina. No. And I don't ever really dislike Mary. But Kate is made to be the head of that family. Mm-hmm. And that will come up later too, but yeah. that's the way it stands right now. And I, I just wish there was more, more like sisters than authoritarian, authoritarian, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. which would be nice. And it's interesting to, to say that because then we have Lady Danbury, who <laughs> clearly is the master of her own home. I love when she says to Violet, because um, Violet says, it looks like we both have our hands full this season. Not if I have anything to say about it. And we right. both know I always have something to say. Yes. Yes. I mean, that character is brilliant. And I love that actress. Like she just does Lady Danbury so well. She's so good. I mean, so good. I adore Lady Danbury. Mm-hmm. I will admit I liked her better last year, but that's just because her relationship with the queen this year kind of made her 
not as like she got nervous a couple times this year. I didn't dislike her at all, like yeah. at any point in time. Yeah. But I think last year she was just so much more spunky. Yeah. There was a couple moments. It's again, it's later. Mm-hmm. It's after stuff comes out that I felt like her advice was off in my yeah. opinion. And it bugged me, mm-hmm. but I, I mean, that's it. I mean, I still love her. Like but there were a couple of times that I'm like her advice that she gave Simon in season one versus the advice she gives them later on seemed mm-hmm. complete polar opposites. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so that bugged me a little. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's all I I'm think saying. my favorite uh, Lady Danbury moments were with Newton. <laughs> <laughs> not on my chair. We did not get nearly enough Newton. No. I just need to throw that out there. Newton <laughs> is a huge part huge. of the book. Mm-hmm. He's wonderful and funny and like his interactions with Anthony, I'm going to say this right from now on. <laughs> At least once. Are, are like perfect. Like they're the best scenes in the book for the most part. Mm-hmm. I mean, like we didn't get enough Newton at all. <laughs> so justice for Newton is what I'm saying. <laughs> just loved her face when she first met him. <laughs> no. <laughs> and then when Mary says, Kate, would you like to take Newton for a walk before he makes a mess on this carpet? <laughs> Lady Danbury was not real pleased to hear that line of conversation at all. And I like at the soirees you have when they were all doing the poetry reading and the dancing. The dancing guy was my favorite. But Lady Danbury trying to like end it, she's like, oh, okay. Oh, oh okay. And like every time she tried to clap and she would always go, oh, and then they would keep going and she'd have to stop. And then mm-hmm. it was constant for everyone. I was like, it was so funny to watch her. Mm-hmm. I like when she uh, confronts Kate about riding her horses in the early morning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like nothing gets past mm-hmm. me in my house. <laughs> she know knows all. all that goes on. <laughs> There's the other thing too, with that uh, conversation, again, goes back to the conversation where Anthony was left off the list. Lady Danbury does bring up because Kate's whole reason is he only, he doesn't want a love match and that's not for you. That's not what you want, Bon. And Lady Danbury points out, this has been what the, what marriages are in the town have been business arrangements and they've been that way forever. It is the love match that's rare. And it's, su- it's suffice just fine to great success. I think she says, and so she's yeah. a little, it, it goes back to even in her first, when they first appeared, the first ball that Lady Danbury has. And Kate thinks she knows all of all she needs to know about all these eligible gentlemen. Lady Danbury had to keep calling on on those things. Just because you do research that's available to you doesn't mean that you know everything. I live here. I'm a part yeah. of this sect. I, I'm immersed in these people's lives. I know what's good. And she had to call her out on, no, he flaunts his mistresses everywhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Your research isn't going to do you any good other than how much money they have. And if you're really looking for a love match, that doesn't matter. That's not how yeah. you do it. Yeah, yeah. But I like uh, her and Violet kind of hatch their own little plan because, you know, they kind of express that, you know, Kate's kind of giving them trouble because she needs a love match. Mm-hmm. We've heard that Anthony's, you know, doesn't want that. And, um, you know, Lady Danbury's like, well, maybe we can change her mind. And of course, Violet, maybe he can change his too. So they're kind of mm-hmm. working together here, trying to kind of like they did even last season, how like, you know, they were eager to get simon and daphne yeah. you know together so i love violet and lady danbury together mm-hmm. <laughs> Me too. and the one thing that lady danbury <laughs> said again that's i mean the reason she thought she was so immersed in simon and daphne is because i mean simon's her family not by blood but simon's her family and so she 
wanted what was good for him and what was loving. And she saw that he had that. In this situation, she's approaching it much the same. And she said, obviously, I'm going to keep my opinions to myself until I know what Edwina's thoughts are. Uh-huh. But you should know Kate's going to be a problem for you if that's what Anthony wants. So she, at first, is supporting is waiting to support throw support behind anthony and edwina until she knows if this is really what edwina wants but i think in episode two when edwina and mary both say edwina he's who you want isn't it lady danbury starts to be like okay this is this is where we're going this is what she wants and i'm gonna help her get it because lady danbury's not opposed to love matches she's just a realist yeah and i don't think hers was a love match i think that she probably ended up falling in love with her husband but the way she talks about marriage it didn't start off that way and i think that was her point yeah that was the great success is it marriages often start as business arrangements but that doesn't mean that love doesn't come eventually mm-hmm. yeah i mean i think probably i mean that happened a lot i mean like you eventually grow to love someone in most cases probably not all cases but yeah in a lot of them you know the new lord featherington is very odd <laughs> okay. that was a really smooth segue Wall from Mount- to featherington <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs> I'm going to say, I'm the oddball out, okay? <clears throat> so I like Cousin Jack. I do too. And I'm always going to call him Cousin Jack because it mm-hmm. made me laugh so hard every time that one of the that kids he asked did. you to call him? And, and Portia's like, don't call him that. You know, like, but I think he's funny. Mm-hmm. Like, in just the way that I mean, he comes in and I mean, he is just like throwing a wrench at every plan that Portia had. Not and everyone. He did pay the dowry i think at first though he is i mean he's like at every turn she's like what are we doing here um and everybody else likes him even um oh what is her that's because her he's, a, name? he's not a bad guy no. so they did say that jack's i couldn't remember his name for a second cousin, cousin jack, jack <laughs> they did say that his dad was a jerk because portia mentions at one point mm-hmm. he's trying to punish us he's a bad guy well, and he supposedly is the reason that Jack was in America. He like shipped his son off Definitely. to America. Mm-hmm. But then we also hear in episode two, Jack wants to turn the morning room into a gaming hell. So is this his way? Does he have a gambling problem? Is that why he is doing the things he's doing? I don't know. But I mean, maybe that's part of the reason he was sent to the Americas by his dad. His dad was a jerk. Apparently we don't see his dad's dad's dad. Um, and he clearly has no love for his dad. But right. is the gambling why? I mean, it could be. You know, I mean, there's obviously something there. So, and I did, that that gun thing that Tiffany brought up is obnoxiously gross. <laughs> it's okay. so ugly, especially when Penn's asking all these questions. Have you shot all of these, cousin Jack? And I love, you know, like I don't know, just all of it. I thought he was a great addition. Mm-hmm. I, I know a lot of people like don't him. like him. I've seen this all over the boards and stuff. Like, I think he's hilarious. And I mm-hmm. think just the banter between him and Portia was just mm-hmm. like the best. And he's yeah, not I doing anything wrong by anybody. No. He's coming there trying to do right. The first thing he did was pay for Philippa's diet, or not Philippa. What is the other one? Prudence? Prudence. Mm-hmm. Pay the dowry to Finch. That was the first thing he did before he even met them. Can we talk about for a minute before he got there? And when the Finches approach Portia at that ball, <laughs> um, the death that's been unsettled. I mean, God, I love her. I know that I'm not supposed to like her either. Can you not like Portia? She's only been a mother trying to protect her kids. Yeah. She's so, with the way she just turned on those tears. I like I when she gets it. really overwhelmed, she does this thing. <laughs> yes. 
It reminds yeah. me of Anthony when he gets over him. He like does the scratch thing on his head. He does, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But she did that at then when she was like, <laughs> and even the bitches. It's been very, you know, overwhelmed with with grief. And she's looking up here, but then she's clearly like, like she's clearly like looking from them in a way. And they're so stupid, they don't patch onto it. And no, they have no bounds of propriety at all. Because yeah. he looks right at her and said, I, I told her, she looked right at him, I told you it was too soon. You realize you're having this conversation in front of this yeah. woman, right? Well, he replied back, Well, you told me he he wanted him out of the house. Like no decorum at all no, even if she's making it you don't have this conversation there mm -hmm. but then when uh at, in episode two at lady dowry no danbury's soiree and she sees that lady calper her cressida is wearing the jewelry that she overhears is from him and she says here's some the new lord featherington oh and then she said i wonder what it means probably nothing can't mean much you know <laughs> I love Portia. I, I love Portia. her last season too. I thought I she too. was badass last season. She yeah. was so good. And she was just be like, yeah, she's tacky. But she's not a bad person because she's tacky. She just wears ugly things. Yeah. I don't like how she treats Penelope. No. Although, again, but. I will say she's better in the show than she is in the books. Her whole family treats her like crap. Even her sister ratted her out to her mom when she mm -hmm. called her letter, saw <laughs> her letter to Colin. <laughs> Oh, yeah, they're, I mean, they're all awful. So, I mean, how Penelope is such a nice person in the middle of that family, I'm not really sure. Right. Although, in the books, we've talked about the fourth sister. Felicity was also great. So, there mm -hmm. was another one who was a nice person. There's a fourth sister in the books. And in the show, really, the only horrible, like, truly mean one is Philippa. Philippa. Yeah, because Prudence is just kind of dumb. Like, she's, she's super like, dumb. Yeah, she's just, <laughs> like, she's, she's crazy dumb. Mm -hmm. There's yeah. nothing. There's nothing up there at all. She can't <laughs> you know what's so funny? They remind me of like the evil stepsisters from Cinderella, <laughs> yep. which is kind of funny because we're going to actually have evil stepsisters when we get to Benedict's book because like they actually are based on like, I mean, because it's like a Cinderella story. So like, oh, so oh, yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's actual evil stepsisters. Mm -hmm. And it's like, she actually goes to the ball and dresses up. It's a total Cinderella story. Like, it it's a ripoff. I don't even know how Julia Quinn was allowed to do that. <laughs> to be honest, that's how much of a ripoff it is, but I love it. So. There's even um, the point where she's polishing the shoes that she wore, and that's how the stepmother finds out yeah. that it was her involved, was from the, the shoes. <laughs> it's the same story, but it's great somehow. I don't know. <laughs> because there's no magic, and there's been so many different Cinderella. I mean, even Jane Austen is clueless as a Jane Austen story. I don't know if you True. can do that, but yeah. I mean, like, there's so many times that that story has been done. And I mean, there's even a movie called a Cinderella story and another Cinderella story and yet another yeah. Cinderella story. Literally. I think the third title is but at least yet they're another paying Cinderella homage story. to it with it in the name. Like this is just true. an offer in a gentleman straight up like, stealing it. Like, or an offer from a gentleman. Like, but yeah. I do, I don't think that Portia is, I don't think she's awful though. No, I think that she's hard. Mm. And like I said, tacky in terms of her wardrobe choices and the choices she mm -hmm. makes for her daughters can we also talk about how why penelope is the only one who's still wearing yellow and everyone else can wear different colors i was wondering that too like they don't even have money for new modistes in episode one and two they don't have any money they even philippa says at one point we don't have money for new dresses this season and that's when they found out because portia or uh penelope is like if there's no money for dresses she obviously has no money for her dowry yeah. so there's they aren't shopping 
so where did the pink and the purple and the blues come from? And why is Penelope the only place that continue wearing yellow and brown? Yeah, I'm not sure. I thought about that too. I thought about that too. I have a question. What is the point of a dowry? Why do you have to pay someone to marry your daughter? <laughs> it's, it's just the, 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 because the wife isn't going to be able to do anything for you really. So it's an enticement to get you to show good faith that we are, we are giving her this much money to be entered into your marriage because they can't work. They can't do anything to bring monetarily to your relationship. So we are going to, she's going to come in with an inheritance of sorts to provide for her share of the marriage. If you're I like it. <laughs> very, very, I mean, in really old cultures, the dowry was cows and goats. So, I mean, money is probably better than that. Well, maybe, you know. <laughs> but I think that there was rare instances, very rare instances where it was a love match and they would say, I don't need the dowry or the dowry could be put in a trust specifically for the wife to use rather than using the husband's money. Some decent men would do that too. But it's just to it's to show your standing to make a better because it was business deals you you married to better your finances and married to better your station so the dollar was a status symbol to show that we're this successful we have this much money and not only do you get this and better your financial situation but also you get this and your your coffers aren't penalized at all for marrying my daughter we're going to help build your coffers rather than a detriment so portia does have that plan too and that's when um she says they're talking about the new Lord Featherington and she says, we have to get you all married. Mm -hmm. And I don't like, I, maybe it's because I read Colin's book that has a deep dive into Penelope, but I don't think she means Penelope. No, I don't think she does. Like, cause I mean, like we've never seen her even attempt to find a prospect for no. Penelope. Mm -mm. So I don't think she has any plans of, I think she's simply just talking about Philippa there. Mm -hmm. And the, the benefit there is that, if they, it's a gentleman's agreement. If we have people who are agreeing to marry you, he has to pay their dowries because it's a gentleman's agreement. So, mm -hmm. and we see, I think we actually end with the, with the Featheringtons in episode two. I think we end with uh, Prudence's marriage, don't we, to Finch? Um, the last thing yeah, we see them. at least yeah. somewhere towards the end of it. Yeah, Jack married. is in his office, cousin Jack's mm -hmm. in his office. And the Feathering, or the Finches are wondering where he is. And mm -hmm. Mrs. Finch, not very quietly says, you did make sure that the dowry was paid, didn't you? Of course I made sure the dowry was paid. Like, oh my gosh, you people, they're already married. Like, yeah, they're really worried about this. this. This line of questioning is so inappropriate now because you're screwed. It doesn't matter if he, if he made sure it was yeah, paid because married. the deed is done. Yeah. You're not going to get a divorce. That doesn't happen then. So um, no, suck it up. And she goes in to ask him to come out and he's talking about how hard it is to make sense of Lord Featherington's bookkeepings. Mm -hmm. And I think we can take from that that, and of course we know what comes up, but we can take just from that statement alone that there's about to be some trouble financially for the Featheringtons because once he actually makes sense of Lord Featherington's bookkeepings, um, he's not going to be very happy. Nope. So I think that's as comprehensive as we can get for episode one and two. Mm -hmm. I mean, we could tell you a lot more, but that would be diving into later episodes and we're not going to do that. We're gonna try real hard not to do that. For being good. So next time we're gonna go over episode three and four. Join us in our Bridgerton Facebook group. It's Bridgerton, Bridgerton Family Fan Club. We have a spoiler ban that's fully, fully, fully done now, right? 
Mm-hmm. There's no more bars on it. It's two-week spoiler ban. You can post anything you want from the new season. Come over there, discuss what you think. Let us know what you think of this and our breakdowns of the characters and our opinions of what have happened so far in the first two episodes. Obviously, if you've seen the rest, you kind of know why we have some of the thoughts we do. But if you haven't, you're trying to keep pace with us as we do these. Let us know your thoughts on this and what you think of what's going to happen or what you think of these relationships. We got the so we've got the Sharmas that are new. We've got some new dynamics between the Queen and Lady Danbury. We've got Anthony and Kate, which are obviously going to be a thing. And if sorry, if you don't know that, spoiler alert. Kate and I Anthony mean, are a thing. If you don't know that, like watch <laughs> episode one and two again because you missed something. So yeah, like, very something. big. <laughs> um, we've got a new cousin Jack. Let's know what you think about cousin Jack. Are you for him? Are you anti him? Because I really do like his character, actually. And that doesn't ever completely stop. No, I still like him. Even all the time, but it doesn't completely stop. So let us know what you think about him, and check out—I don't know what's coming up next week. Um, but stay tuned. Ooh, Monday, Monday, we'll have something for you every Monday, Wednesday. Just keep watching our channel, watch our Facebook group, and you can find us on any of our socials. And that's it for this week. So, bye, guys. Bye. bye. For our listeners craving more, you can search for all 16 of our groups on Facebook by searching Family Fan Club. Come on over and join the conversation. You can also find us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok under Fandom Family Chats. We try to always make sure to have something that will entertain. Of course, we'd also love your feedback, the good and any bad. And you can provide that by emailing us at familyfanclub2021 at gmail.com. Keep an eye out for our website coming soon, where you'll be able to buy FFC merch and merch about some of your favorite TV shows with some favorite sayings and images. We're also working toward hosting a Comic-Con-style event in 2024 where some of your favorite fandoms, cast, crew, and fans alike will come together for a fun-filled weekend. You can find those announcements on our website coming at you soon. Keep watching and listening. And as always, don't forget to share and subscribe.